Warning, the following podcast contains frank discussion of rape and rape culture. Listener discretion is advised. Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own, and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 58, Raped. Everything's going to be okay. It's all over. You did just fine. Multiple contusions, vaginal perineal tears, perineal lacerations. Oh, I I don't think that... You're still dazed from the attack. It's going to be okay. Just give it a little more time. You folks all done with her? Oh, no, not again. Again? Have you been raped before? You said you were driven to Fort Cronkite against your will, then forced to have sex. Is that correct? Well, I, uh... Katie, sometimes when a girl gets raped, she's too ashamed to press charges. But unless the man who did this to you is stopped, he'll do it again. I must be here to press charges. What? I want to press charges. Can you remember what he looked like? Well, it was kind of... It's Kevin Wentworth. Charles and Sally's boy? My son was in scouts with Kevin. Is he your boyfriend? Katie. Bastard, get the hell away from my sister. I just want to talk to her. Well, she doesn't want to talk to you. Come on, Katie. Are you all right, Katie? Do I look all right? I've been scared half out of my wits. First you run out of me, and then you jump into a strange car. Thank God I followed you. She wouldn't have jumped into a strange car if you hadn't raped her. Rape? Is that what you're telling everybody? That's what I told the police, and that's what I'm going to tell the DA's office tomorrow. Katie, I don't understand. Why are you doing this? Because I was raped. I didn't rape you, Katie. I didn't do it. It's about time you got here. Well, I was stuck in the waiting room. The girl that you leaped into is all balled up in the fetal position. She's laying there. She can't say anything. She won't do anything. Just lay there and shake. Verbena's with her. She was raped, Al. Oh, she was raped. Yeah. Oh. Look, my gut tells me that I'm here to stop Kevin from abusing anyone else the way he did Katie. Well, he agrees with you. He says you're here to charge this guy with rape. And then I can leap? Probably. Probably? Al, I can't testify. I wasn't the one who was raped. Oh, did I say probably? Yes, you did. You said uh, probably. No, I meant definitely. You can leap. Definitely. With an 89% probability. Al. That's the best I can do. Katie. 
you will be treated as an object, like a piece of evidence. As the offender, the defense will humiliate and discredit you in any way they can. Can you handle that? I think that's why I'm here. You lie to me, I'll drop your butt so fast you won't know what hit you. Does that mean you're going to take the case? Ed, put out a warrant for the arrest of Kevin Wentworth on the McBain rape. I knew you couldn't resist the underdog, Nancy. Thanks, Ed. We're going to trial. That's it. You did it, Sam. Looks like I'm through here. We're just getting started. Well, that's what the real Katie. He's out of your leaping out now. Yeah, little lady, looks like the next stop for you is the witness stand. Well, what else have you got? Well, just that there's a 90% chance that you've got to testify. Testify? I can't testify, Al. I can't swear to tell the truth when I don't know what the truth is. Okay. Just hang in there, Sam, okay? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Alison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And today we are here to talk about the season four episode, Raped. And season four, you've done it to us again. Uh, what did we do last time? Well, no, last time we did the mirror image special. So that sort of gave us a break from the hilarity that was, oh God, Permanent, permanent Wave. Permanent Wave, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we're doing the, the flip-flop between the, the fun episodes and the dark episodes. Yeah, and like Justice, which was the last dark episode before Permanent Wave, um, I had a lot of trepidation going into this one too because um, ever since this aired back in the 90s, I think the issue of rape and rape culture has only grown in the public awareness mm -hmm. and there's so much more of a dialogue that we have about it today that we didn't have back then that I quite frankly was kind of scared to broach it out of fear of coming in from a sense of ignorance or a place of ignorance. So um, I'm happy to say that upon rewatching the episode a couple of times, there's just so much good stuff to talk about in this episode that I'm really eager to get going with it with you guys. So, so how are you guys feeling about this? Uh, yeah, much the same, to be honest. I, I was concerned about coming into this one. I'm looking forward to talking about it with you guys, but, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. Whenever whenever Quantum Leap tackles a, a tough subject, usually you can look at it and say, "Okay, we've moved on a little bit since then. I can see how uh, I can see how that relates to things that are going on in the world, but maybe not in in quite the same way." With this, this doesn't have to have a historical setting. This could be happening today, and it's a bit more of a challenging episode to uh, to dissect. Yeah, to be honest, this episode could have uh, taken place yesterday and still fit. Yeah, yeah, and well, why don't why don't why don't we start where we always start then, and hopefully that'll help us get into a more ordered, broader discussion. But uh, Allison, can you give me your initial impressions of Raped? Raped is the hardest episode of Quantum Leap for me to watch uh, because it hits the closest to home. Like it's it's the one that um, I relate to the most in in my experiences um, as a woman, and I think a lot of women do relate to it. So that isn't to speak of the quality of the episode, though, because it is really really well done. It's just a very tough watch. All right, well that that's really interesting to hear. Can can you elaborate on that? So uh, when I say like that I relate to the experiences in the episode, and a lot of women do, um, it's not because of um, 
any type of assaults that I've experienced. It's because I think rape culture is something that most women have experienced in some degree, and especially being in the public eye, uh, I've I've sort of had it magnified a little bit uh, with some. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to word it. Uh, I've, it's just a lot of things have happened that um, this episode was ringing exactly like in my life, if that makes sense. And I do. I do know a lot of of women that have uh, experienced more closely what's happened. Okay. And how about you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I always come to this talking about my, my memories of when I was 12 and first saw these episodes. I don't really remember this much um, from when I was a kid. I can say for definite, if I do have much of a memory of it from, from the first airing, it would have been just another episode. And um, as I've as I've grown with it, and I've, I've watched the whole show through a few times, and I think as I've I've grown up and I've got to know more women who have uh, Alison put it so much better than than I'm going to but um but women that have experienced rape culture to to one degree or another it's it's started to become uh, a more closely hitting episode each time so for first impressions for me I don't think um they almost don't count because I, I I would have been too young to appreciate it, and I think now if I came to it uh, absolutely fresh, I would have been, um, yeah, quite taken aback by a lot of elements of this. All right, and it's really odd because I have the exact opposite experience with first seeing this episode, but not for your reasons, Matt and Allison, not for the reasons that you have. But it looms large in my memory because when I first saw this episode. I found it so inspirational, especially at the end when Sam kicks that guy's ass. <laughs> that, And I, I think I've mentioned this on a segment that I did for the podcast years ago, but I saw this episode when I was in college and seeing it galvanized me to get up off my ass and run across campus to the computer lab and start writing my own episode of Quantum Leap. And in large part, it is responsible for my becoming a, a published writer because I, w I was just so taken by it that I wanted to do something as good. And um, now watching it so many years later, of course, I have that memory. But back then, you know, rape was a topic, an abstract. And I think, as I said at the top of the show, we've grown so much more literate when it comes to rape culture and recognizing the signs of rape culture that I'm seeing it in a whole new way. And just to go behind the curtain here, I wanted to so badly get a, a, a quote, expert on the show to talk to us about this, about rape culture and its prevalence in popular media and in society. And um, unfortunately, I just I, I wasn't able to pull it together. I, I couldn't get anybody in time for recording. But it, when I rewatched it, it, it felt like this episode is almost like a tutorial in rape culture because it goes through every single step and every single trope that we, we hear about over and over again in a very deliberate way. And I look forward to getting into those. So yeah, this episode looms large for me on a, on a personal selfish level, but I think it has so much more to say to us today, even than it did back then, because I think we now have more tools to discuss it. Uh, or anyway, I, I think the tools to discuss it are more broadly known or, or more broadly held. Or I know it's a, it's a terrible metaphor, but you guys understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I think this, this episode says a lot about 
um, and I know we're going to come on to this later, so I don't want to jump ahead, but it says a lot about um, victim blaming that probably wasn't being talked about as much at the time. But now we have that language. We we talk about this kind of thing quite quite openly um, from one angle or another. And it, it's, it all seems to make a lot more sense now. Well, can we start right at the very beginning, right at the leap in? Um, this may or may not have anything to do with the topic of rape, but it always confused me. I always wondered what Sam meant when he says, not again. Do you guys have, have a take on what it is he's talking about there? He's talking about leaping into a woman. Yeah, that's that's how I took that because he's just been addressed as um, Miss or Madam or something like that. He's he's it's been clear he's a, made clear he's a woman. You know, and the funny thing is when I saw this and I saw that he was sort of in a hospital setting and just how despondent he was, I took it to mean that maybe he was thinking back to the events of Shock Theater. Oh, oh. I think it was just he, and, and it, that might have been in the script too. Um, that he's reacting to just being addressed as she, or her, or whatever, uh, as a woman. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I did notice in this episode that Scott Bakula does play it like there's some trauma there, um, yes. and I think maybe he was. This was more of him taking bits of the character and in, in trying to incorporate it into it. I know sometimes even if it wasn't written into the story, he would act a bit like the person he leaped into. But you can tell that he is he is playing it a little differently in his like body language, like his uh his arms are crossed or um after a little bit after he's leaped in, like his sister tries to hug him and he seems kind of like he he doesn't want to be touched. Um he's kind of withdrawn and soft spoken. Mm. I, I did notice that. Uh, and I guess maybe because I was really getting into my fandom at the time when I first saw it, and Shock Theater was probably the best, and Leap Home, you know, the duo were the best episodes that I'd ever seen. So I wanted to, in my mind, connect the two. It just that it seemed like he was he was just a little bit too, um, like, it wasn't like, oh boy, not again, you know, like like he would be, not the heels, not the heels, oh no. Well, I think he was he was frustrated, but he was still cognizant of the fact that he was in a hospital setting and <laughs> probably something terrible had happened yeah it's also a hell of a setup line so that you can introduce the topic boom right away you've been raped before i mean how how else do you get into it so it's also sort of a neat writer trick i thought now looking at it now i kind of see that that's sort of what they had to do in order to just give you a punchy oh boy before um going to the credits so in either way it works i had seen an interview where Scott Bakula was talking about this episode, and he wanted to leap in, like, during the act, like, as it was happening. Yes. Yeah. Okay, now, okay, I was going to get to this later, but let's just let's just get it now, because it's the same, I don't know if it's the same interview, but I swear to God, I saw an interview years and years ago, where Scott was talking about this episode, and he said something to the effect of, um, this one had a lot of script problems, and it took us a while to work around those, and... I never got any more context than that. So I really – I wanted to ask you, Matt and Allison, since you read all the scripts and you have such a deeper knowledge of this stuff than I do, both of you, um, do you know what he's referring to there? Allison, is that part of, of, of what he meant in that? Is it the same same interview? I, I'm, I'm just curious to know what kind of problems might have arisen in the production of this episode. Um, I mean, I don't know anything more specific than you do. The script I read was pretty close to what was on screen. 
Um, but I imagine because of the subject matter, it was really difficult for them to find a concept that would um, be acceptable for the networks or for... Because, I mean, rape is such a... It's such a tough subject to tackle because uh, when an episode's covering, like, murder... In real life, obviously, murder is a very serious thing. Um, but you see it so much on television, like, it just... I think people become kind of, like, used to it. But when you get into something... Um, like assault like this, it turns into another animal altogether. And I think it becomes kind of um, difficult to find a, a way to to broach that in in, um, in a way that, that a network might find acceptable. Matt, do you hear anything else about this? Well, I, I haven't read any of the, the scripts, but in terms of interviews, I know, yeah, I, I heard the same interview that Scott said he, he wanted to, to leap in in the middle of the act, but uh, they figured... The network wouldn't have been ready for that. No, I don't think they would. No. <laughs> um, Deborah apparently did a lot of rewriting again. I think it was Scott that said that Deborah was particularly handy with this one. The interesting thing is, though, apparently with the ending of the episode, that was that was somewhat inspired by Deborah turning to Scott and saying, as a man, what would you do if you were in this situation? And that was what led to the ending being as it was. That's an interesting thing to hear because when I think again about um, how much more willing we are to have the discussion about this kind of topic today, I forget that networks are big stupid animals that <laughs> are afraid of everything. And how would something like this play in the Bible Belt or Middle America, not to be stereotypical, but that's like the industry term for it. I can't imagine that in today's environment, it would be as difficult to broach this kind of subject matter. I don't know, though. You'd think? I mean, uh, this just might be me having been recently woke or whatever, thinking, why wouldn't you discuss it openly? But uh, do you think that there sure. would still be as much of a challenge today, Allison? Well, I mean, I think yes and no. Because um, with more... Um availability for like streaming shows things like um mm -hmm. hbo you know, like game of thrones uh broach this topic a lot very badly from what i hear yes um you know using it for like shock value and stuff like that like i think there there's less worry about like what's nbc gonna think because i mean you can do a lot more with stuff online or with uh crowdfunded stuff or things like that but um i don't know i still think that it's it's tricky sometimes and i think that there still is we were talking about this before a large culture that um thinks of this the same way uh that the characters in the episode do well why don't we get into that a little bit i mean that, that's a good segue into just the top of the episode it seemed like we were going one by one with all of the stereotypes and all of the prevalent social values that had led to this culture and to actually sustaining this kind of culture and i think number one was um just the sort of impersonal and clinical approach to katie in the hospital room where the cop is sort of leaning on her. What was his name? Um, Shumway. 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 Did they even say his first name? It was just Shumway. Yeah, I don't know if they did. I think that the ADA might have said it at one point, but I just wrote it down as Shumway in my notes. And um, That's how it is on IMDb. They don't say his name, his full name. I've, I've got no first name here, and I, I dug for first names and last names where possible. So, yep, no, no first name. Of Officer is his first name. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's weird that they never did because he was such an important part of the episode too. Yeah, I mean, he really was. And when I first saw him, I was kind of put off by him because he was leaning on her or on Sam, on Katie, on pretty hard to sort of talk and to to come forward. And it's only after Sam agrees that he becomes a little bit more of a of a rounded character, like someone that you could actually see is on her side, as opposed to yet another part of the machinery that makes um, the rape victim feel assaulted all over again. Well, that's interesting. How did you think in the beginning he came off that way? Because he was kind of leaning on him like, you know, it was almost like the stereotypical TV cop of, oh, sure, you know, you you, you got to come forward or this guy's going to do it again. And it, it kind of puts um, the onus on her to take the responsibility to stop this crime when it's his job. Who else is going to? I, I, I'm not saying that he's wrong. I'm just saying that it seemed his approach to her was insensitive in the moment. He seemed to come on just a, a little bit too heavy, considering the context of this is a woman who probably an hour ago was just beat and raped. And now he's, he's, he's on her like really aggressively to to come forward to to make his case and it was like i said it was only after they had explored his character a little bit more that i got more comfortable with him because i could tell he wasn't just like the stereotypical cop he was he was sort of a good guy that was on her side but in that instance it just seemed to me that he was pushing too hard i think if he was uh if he was acting more like part of the cycle he would be encouraging her not to come forward well, this is uh, okay, and it's interesting because I think they did it a little bit more subtly in the beginning. It, it wasn't so much that anybody was against her or shaming her already, but it's when they heard that it was Kevin Wentworth, and all of a sudden you had uh, the the dismay from both the doctor and the nurse that are treating her, saying, "Isn't that Charles and Sally's boy?" Yeah, take yeah. some pills, take some pills. Yeah, yeah, they were like giving him drugs, like, "Oh, you'll you'll yeah. calm down, you'll a feel little different." Bit, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and uh, what did the nurse say? She said, oh, my son was in scouts with Kevin. What are you talking about? You know, and the other question they had, well, isn't he your boyfriend? Yes. And it's just like, what does that have to do with any of this right now? They they even said, I, I don't know, but I think it was the cop that said to him, they might not even take this case if you were on a date with him. Because, of course, a, you know, a date implies consent. You can do anything you want if you're on a date. It's just a bad date. And that to me, it, it was just like, Wow. It's there, and it's all the things that we've grown to associate with the rape culture, but it's so insidious. It's, it's so sort of just nonchalantly asked, and it shows you how ingrained it is in the way we've always approached this kind of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, with very few exceptions in this episode, everyone is questioning Sam and Katie and putting her on trial, basically. Everyone's lines are sprinkled with, like, little questions or little, you know, maybe it was actually this or maybe it was this. And if it was someone who was so charismatic and liked, then why, why, would, why would he rape you? Why would he have any motivation to do this? As if someone who was likable or charismatic couldn't commit an act like that. Or if if you like them or ha they haven't treated you that way, then, they, you know, a rapist will just be some criminal hiding around the corner like a ghoul or something. It wouldn't be that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was, it was evident in the episode um, that it affected everybody in different ways. And when she got home, 
to her family. And one of the most sort of telling things to me was the dad asking her right away, didn't you fight back? Didn't you call for help? Didn't you do this? Didn't you that? And I could see where he is as a dad being concerned Mm. and saying the things that he might have done in that situation and putting that on her. Why didn't you do this? I do it to my wife all the time. When she comes to me with an issue, I say, well, did you do this? Because I'm thinking (laughs) like me and I'm angry for her and I'm upset for her. And I think, what would I do in this situation? Then I throw it all at her. And I've tried to resist my impulse to keep doing that kind of stuff as, as I've learned that behavior. But I saw that in this and it really hit home with me because I understand that he's probably emphatically on her side, yet he's still sort of casting it. Why didn't you do something more? vis-a-vis this 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 is somehow your fault you know and it was just like wow even even coming from a place of love and concern you still have this blaming the victim coming through and um yeah it was i I thought it was again really well written because there's only one truly unlikable character in this episode and well, maybe three, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I know I'm talking a lot of you guys. So, I mean, do you have any like impressions from, from those first acts? The other thing that I find really interesting about the way the episode opens, and I, I've never been sure if it's intentional or not. Um, you know, you mentioned that everyone seems to be questioning Sam and doubting Sam. And I find as an audience member, I'm doing that as well, because there is no evidence at the time, as to why he's leaped there. Has he leapt there to get Kevin put on trial? Or has he leapt there because Kevin was put on trial and wrongfully accused? Is he actually there for completely the opposite reason? He jumps in and makes a massive assumption. And as an audience member, I find myself not sympathising with the characters that are doubting him, because you're not meant to, but... I, I do find myself caught up in that a bit as well, and thinking, well, until Al shows up, What's this all about? What actually is your mission? And he has it right. He does have it right all along. But um, but it's quite interesting. They hold Al back so long that it's it, it's hard to figure out why is it Sam jumps to this assumption so quickly. Matt, I think that's an excellent observation. Um, I, I think that, okay, number one, the episode being called Raped is going to maybe lay to to rest any of those doubts. I mean, obviously, if it's it's written from the point of view of a rape victim, in, in my opinion, I never doubted Katie's story in this or why Sam might be there. But the fact that you mentioned that Al, it takes him a while to get to um, the scene. And they had a good reason for that. But I think it helped um, bring home sort of the, 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 the genuine – well, the authentic experience that um, a rape victim might go through. So you don't have Sam concerned with Al about why am I here and what do we need to change and, and, and this, that, and the other thing. But he's just genuinely experiencing um, the aftermath of something like this as Katie would have with no further knowledge and no further proof or evidence mm-hmm. or, um, you know, Jiminy Cricket whispering in his ear saying, this is what happened, and, and this is what you're here to do. And I, I think it was a way for the writer to get more organically into some of the issues that they wanted to explore and some of the themes that they wanted to explore in the episode and not have it just exposition. I mean, I, I completely agree with you that the title is a bit of a giveaway, that definitely she has been raped. But Kevin shows up with what could be a plausible story. He says, oh, yeah, you know, it, the, things went a bit rough. You, you disappeared and you got into a car with a stranger. 
is this stranger going to show up in the second act? And turns out that's what the whole episode's about. We don't know. All we have to go on is Sam's instinct that it's Kevin. Well, and everything that Kevin says, especially to Sam, is just textbook gaslighting. Oh, (laughs) yes. Textbook gaslighting. Can you explain to me what gaslighting is? I've heard that expression used a million times, and I honestly have no idea. I think I have an idea, but someone tell me what it means. It's when you try to tell someone you didn't see or experience or feel what you thought you did. You know, you 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 try to make them doubt their own memories, their own experiences. Like when he's saying like, oh, well, it got a little rough, but I didn't rape you. You're telling people that I did that. That's not what happened. And he's he's giving her little gifts and acting like everything's okay. Um, it's, it's trying to make someone question something that is undoubtedly true. All right. That's kind of what I thought it was, making somebody doubt the evidence of their own mind, basically. Yeah. But the only people that know at that point what happened are Kevin and Katie, and Katie isn't there. Oh, you're right about that. But I, I got to tell you, Matt, the second I saw Kevin come on the screen, I said, this guy's a giant piece of shit. <laughs> Very God, clearly. What, what, what an asshole. <laughs> so... I mean, I, I, props to uh, Matthew Sheehan, who uh, played Kevin in this. He kind of he kind of walked the line. He was charismatic, oh, but man. he did give him enough enough of an undertone to where he's oily and yeah. Yeah, probably guilty, but not overtly mustache twirling. Oh man, that yeah. that actor did a great job because I hated that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a slime ball! I think if the episode had gone in that direction, Matt, that like Katie had made it up. It would make the episode itself an insidious part of rape culture. Because I think, like, I watch a lot of old TV, okay? <laughs> and this comes up so often, um, this very kind of cliched and rote story of the, like, the bitchy girl that comes in and makes up a rape or an assault. Mm. You know, like, he attacked me, he tried to kiss me, he tried to have sex with me, whatever, because they're trying to get something that they want. They're just, try- they're just trying to ruin their life. And you see that so much disproportionately to what happens in real life, because um, false rape-, rape accusations do happen, but it is not to the proportion of what you would see in a cliched television show and i think if they had said like oh she made it up the whole time Mm. it would further cement in people's minds that this is a common occurrence that women make this stuff up to ruin someone's life or because they're jealous of them or trying to get back at them yeah agreed and i think yeah we're talking about in universe versus the the real world here because yeah, for sure. There's no way the episode would have gone down the route that I'm talking about, or I don't know, maybe there's another route it could have gone down. In-universe, though, I, I still don't quite get why Sam so immediately jumps on what it must have been Kevin. Well, you did discuss, both of you, how he seemed to be more guarded in this episode, seemed to be taking on more of the traits that Katie might have had in that situation. So maybe part of that carried over. Maybe it was just an intuitive knowledge. That that was imparted as they were crossing their paths during the leap. Yeah, I think there were. There's been a few examples of leaps that he's gone in, and he's just sure that this is what he's supposed to do, even though he has no evidence for it. It's just an intuition that he has. 
And maybe we're seeing an evolution of Sam as he was to Sam as he will eventually become in the series, um, which we sort of, you know, we, we, we spoiled Mirror Image in the last episode. So if you haven't heard that or if you don't want to know, but I mean, this could be one of his steps in growing enough to be able to leap on his own without the project, without Al. Anyway, that's the way I see it. That's a, a huge retcon, of course, <laughs> you know, taken in context of the whole series. But it gives me as a fan something more to chew on. And I like that. Well, and it also gives him an opposing viewpoint with Al, which is what they do a lot, because Al comes in and he's sympathetic to Katie, but he also plays devil's advocate there and explains some scenarios that could have happened and and tries to question um, mm. everything that Sam is just sure is is what happened. Well, that's one of the biggest uh, surprises of this episode to me is – in Al's first scene before he was wholly on board, I mean, not that he wasn't always wholly on board, but one of the first things he says to Sam in this is, in these abuse cases, you can never be sure. And he was talking about, you know, different divorce scenarios, and then they went into this dumb joke about him singing in his sleep. These abuse cases and divorces, you never can tell. I, my first, 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 no, third, fourth, yeah, third wife, she charged me with abuse for singing in my sleep. You sang in your sleep? Mm -hmm. I can't listen to this. Was volare, oh, oh, cantare, oh, Al, 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 huh? oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Volare. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure tonally if that was <laughs> appropriate, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> had, had to have some laughs in the episode somewhere. That's true. Yeah, it was it was kind of shoehorned in, and you could tell that the. I think what made that work is that it completely fell flat on <laughs> Sam. He's just like, why? Why are we <laughs> yes. doing this? Can we get back to the? So, <laughs> I mean, um, but when when I saw it, I said to myself, look, even Al is questioning, and not that Al has been a paragon of tolerance throughout the uh, the series. I mean, there are especially certain episodes to come where his prejudices come to the forefront and he's got to be mm -hmm. convinced um, that maybe he's not seeing things correctly. But um, again, for uh, someone like Al, who seems to be so empathetic and so in tune with um, with people and emotion, to have him come in and say, well, maybe, maybe not – was just a little bit jarring to me. I'm not saying it wasn't keeping in character. I'm just saying that it stood out to me. I think even he is influenced by how rape culture affects everyone and society. Um, he talks about when he comes in that he read a bunch of newspapers, all with these articles slanted against rape victims. And that leads him into talking about, well, maybe Katie wasn't raped by Kevin, but she blamed him because she was angry that he got with someone else. And so he's taking all of these articles to mean, well, I mean, if they're being questioned so much, maybe there's something there. Yeah. And it was funny because um, the journalist in me noticed something in this that I never heard before. And it was the headline on that article. I think it was um, Katie, somebody cries rape yeah. yeah, or something like that. And I said, wow, that's some bad journalism right there because that's that's obviously a biased headline. And then I thought maybe they're just doing that for effect in the show. And then I thought, you idiot. This is the reason why now when there's victims of assault and rape, they don't print their names. Yeah. Because this is the kind of horseshit that used to go on. And it's, it's yeah, it, it was another reason for me to get angry all over again. 
at everything I was seeing. Yeah, it's so uncomfortable, that scene uh, when he goes to dinner and everyone's yeah. just staring at him. Like, how could he possibly do this to this innocent young man? I mean, he goes to church. His family donated a pipe organ to the church. Why, why would anything like that happen? As if his family making a donation has got anything to do with his character. Yeah, like it, it goes so far as um, Katie gets kicked out of teaching Sunday school. The church yes. kicks her out. Um, people are doing cruel crank calls about the situation. They sort of broadcast that stuff like this was coming because I think it was the ADA that told her, look, if we go to trial, be prepared because they're going to treat you like a piece of evidence, treat you like a piece of meat. They're, they're going to try everything they can to humiliate you. And you even saw that affecting not just her, but it was even affecting her family because their anger and their resolve was sort of wavering in the face of all that public scorn uh, in the restaurants. Bad enough you had to go through what you went through, but this is humiliating. Well, it's not going to get any better. You want me to drop the charges, don't you? I can't do that. I'm only thinking of you. Maybe it's in your best interest. It's not going to be in my best interest to let a rapist go far. All right, Katie, calm down. We understand. Everything's going to be fine, just fine. We only want what's best for you. And please, trust that by pressing charges, I'm doing the right thing. We do think you're doing the right thing, don't we, Jim? Jim. And he just remains silent. And he's the only one that sort of comes around at the end. I mean, the mom does not her way too. They, they all get through it, but they all have this doubt, especially when it comes to how they're going to be perceived by the wider community who is undoubtedly on the side of the offender, which is just weird to me. But it's, it was another neat wrinkle because you never doubted that they loved her and you never doubted that they were on her side, but you could see the pressures of the culture hitting them as well. Even the sister said something. Didn't she say something like, you know, you've always been a tease. Are you sure? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like, anyway, I'm really kind of glad that they never really went into who Katie was beyond the stereotypes or questions that people asked about her. Yeah, well, they were they were painting this whole image of her in that uh, newspaper article about how, you know, she got trouble and at home and at school and, you know, maybe her character wasn't that great, you know, just trying to slant it as if she is some sort of villain. But in the end, it's irrelevant. It's all irrelevant. And I like the fact that they never went into an, a, a study about that. Like, a, well, it really turns out, Sam, that she was this this wild child. And well, it wouldn't have mattered. That's what I mean. And that's why the strength of the episode to me is the fact that who cares who she was or how she acted. It's not a tacit invitation to rape. So I, I like that aspect of it because I think that another show or like you said, Alice, in the culture that, that had built up, especially in those older TV shows, they might have explored something like that and put out the fact that, yeah, she she was this and she was that. So, you know, devil's advocate, like Al was saying, and given that more credence. I mean, I, I, I for one, am really glad that Sam just believed her. And stuck by that through the whole thing, because I think we've had enough, like you said, uh, shows that go into, well, what if she's the villain? Actually, she's not that much of an angel. I think enough things have taken that approach that it was nice to see something where she was just believed. 
Agreed. Agreed. Now, one thing that I had trouble believing was the fact that this could go to trial in what, a day and a half? <laughs> yes. Yeah, very quick. <laughs> I mean, I know you need it for the dramatic tension and this is what the episode is about, is putting all this stuff on trial. But it was just like, okay, well. It manages to get to court on a Sunday as well. What, did you count the days or? Yeah, of course I did. Of course I did, Chris. All right. So <laughs> give us the timeline, Matt. <laughs> yeah, so so he leaps in on a Thursday, visits the DA on a Friday and the trial starts... Oh, the trial starts the following day and runs for two days. So, yeah, the trial runs over Saturday and Sunday. They really wanted to prove Kevin's innocence. I mean, the town was just that driven. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, the trial itself, though, had its its own set of horrors, and especially when they bring Kevin onto the stand. I just wanted to point out real quick, there was the scene before that when they convince uh, the attorney to take the case, and Shumway comes in, he's like, next stop for you is the witness stand. And then they do some really bad dubbing there, I think, to, like, lighten the mood. Like, Al says, uh-oh, but he's clearly not moving his lips. And then, like, as it fades out, like, this double oh boy. Yeah, little lady, looks like the next stop for you is the witness stand. <laughs> uh-oh. I was like, why did they add that? Why? It was already kind of funny, but when they add that, it's like, this is a little embarrassing, to be honest. <laughs> I didn't notice it, I guess. Um, I think they were just trying to, like, lighten the mood a little bit. I think they realized the episode was very serious, so they were trying to, like, add a little bit of lightheartedness into it. Although, when they were dubbing the episode into French, uh, whoever was responsible for that did not copy that uh, that little extra lighthearted bit. They just let it stand as it was. Oh, good call. So yeah, that's a, so the French got a slightly uh, different tone to the end of that scene. Well, it's funny because we sort of discussed this a little bit when uh, we were talking about um, justice. We discussed this a little bit in justice, or anyway, I did. When when I said that I thought that um, justice was exemplary, Quantum Leap, and um, that I might introduce someone through uh, this episode to Quantum Leap. And Matt, you had pointed out to me that justice does one aspect of Quantum Leap very, very well, but it was missing sort of the humor and the light touches and mm. some of the heart and character moments that also define the series. And I feel like maybe they were cognizant of that dynamic in this episode and were trying in different ways to sprinkle it in, but it just ultimately doesn't work yeah because there's just no natural way to put it in i think that most of the levity that really worked in this episode was the relationship between the ada and and the police officer i think it was uh shumway and nancy hudson ada uh, played by penny pacer yeah they're uh, i like their rapport those two uh, they had a they had a line I thought was kind of funny, but it was supposed to be inappropriate humor. But I did find it kind of funny when she's he's like, "Oh, I'd bet my new fishing rod we can win this." Hey, look, I know we got burned on the last one, but I'd bet my new fishing rod we can win this. Your new fishing rod, eh? <laughs> That's serious. Oh, your new fishing rod, eh? That's serious. <laughs> <laughs> But it showed that these, you know, they had a prior relationship and you could even tell when she said, put it on my desk and he was comfortable enough with the district attorney to say, not in that Venus flytrap, you're going to look at this for me. Yeah, you instantly believe that these two had, had worked together a lot. Like I, I felt that they had built up a professional relationship. And that's where most of the organic humor had a chance to arise and it, it kind of stuck the landing. 
in those scenes. It was gentle humor. It wasn't like laugh out loud hijinks or anything, but it was a way to introduce a little bit of levity naturally into an otherwise heavy episode. Yeah, it didn't feel like it was shoehorned in. Yeah. Unlike Al's thing and falling asleep in the middle of the bedroom singing Valari. We're not going to blame, blame you for that, Dean. It's not your fault. Um, anyway. Uh, he made up for it. Al. Huh? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I thought it was uh, kind of cute that uh, Al and Sam had matching pink outfits when they went to court the first time. I did not notice Al, what, that. <laughs> you live on a different planet than I do, Allison. <laughs> He's got like a pink dress suit on uh, with a, a skirt and a jacket. And then Al's got like a salmon pink suit. Yeah, they both match. Solidarity. I gotta say, I do like uh, I do like Sam's outfits in the episode. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the full skirts and the sweaters. You just want to give him a cuddle. Yeah, it seemed very comfy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, let's let's talk about um, if we can get back to, to the court thing. I mean, aside from the matching outfits, putting Kevin on the stand. And having him say things like, oh, well, I'm only human, you know, um, and painting him as a confused victim who was only ever doing what came naturally to him, obviously. Got pretty serious and I could tell she was getting really heated up. And then things got a little out of hand. Out of hand? Yeah, I'm only human, so I did it. I mean, we did it. I bet you're pretty confused by this whole situation, aren't you, Kevin? Yes. I mean, I take a girl out on a dinner date, and the next thing I know, I'm on trial for rape. Was this the first time you and Miss McBain had sexual relations? No. We had sex on the first and the second date. It's like, what kind of bullshit is that? It's, it's, it's sort of like you, you have, especially since they've dated before, that's a tacit yes. You have a right now to do whatever you want. And it was another way that I think that they explored some of the more insidious aspects of rape culture because it's just like if you have a pre-existing relationship, that means that rape can't be on the table because you've already given consent once. Therefore, how can you cry rape now? And yet it's still a lesson we're learning today. Yeah, someone could be married and still commit mm -hmm. rape exactly. against their husband or wife, you know? Like, yeah. um, but people assume it's like, because you have a prior relationship, it couldn't possibly be. And I think this stuff in this trial, too, with Kevin, like, you could see the same sort of thing, like, if you look at anything from the Kavanaugh hearings, you know, like, yeah, exactly kind of the same kind of thing, you know? Oh, I did. I like beer. I like, I'm just a normal guy. Like, this is just what you do. I can't believe that this is happening. It doesn't matter if she gave consent the first two times, if it even happened. Um, the last time she didn't give consent, it's rape. But what it does answer is the question, can I try using this as a viable defense? And sadly, he does. Mm -hmm. And that's that, I guess, is more the point that's being made here. Not, uh, not whether or not it happened, but the fact that that's the reaction that gets. And again, it, it still gets that today. Yeah, and then we get Sam going up onto the stand now and not being able to really be truthful. So would to take a dive, you know, take 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 the swoon. I understand again they wanted to do that for more of the dramatic purposes and it leads to the brilliant ending of this episode, but I felt like in the context like in universe, everybody watching 
it makes Katie seem like a weaker character. The fact that um, this 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 forced swoon so that they could buy some time, it it to me it came at the expense of of her, and it was one aspect that I didn't like. I I, I felt myself. So much more on the side of Katie in this episode. I cared more about the Leapy than I did about Sam or anything else going on. And I think that that was also hammered home. Did you guys notice how many mirror shots were in this episode? Oh, yeah. This was like the most yeah. that we ever see any mirror image, I think. Anyway, the most since maybe the pilot or the first couple episodes when they were trying to hammer home the, the premise of the show. I think it was more than the pilot. Because they had the initial leap in, and then they had when uh, they got back home, and then they had in the bedroom, and then they had, I think, in the living room again. Um, you get to see her in, in uh, photos multiple times. They have a really bad continuity error with the photos. When uh, they have all of the Polaroid shots of her after she was attacked that they were taking at the hospital, and the first time that they're taking the stand, uh, the um, ADA Nancy, she puts the uh, one of the uh, Polaroid photos in front of Kevin. And the one that she holds up is not the same as the one she sets down. And then when in the close-up, it, like it's a different one, and then uh, the other attorney comes over and grabs a different photo completely. Like she's in three different outfits, depending on what shot it is. Oh, I'd spotted two. But yeah, because there's one way she's in the hospital gown and uh, one way she's in a, a red top. Yeah, and then I think there's one in, like, a, a blue top, maybe. There was three, at least. All presumably taken at the hospital, where she was obviously just having a bit of a fashion show. <laughs> well, I think, like, it was... Sam was wearing that sweater, the pink sweater, later, and the hospital gown, we mm. saw that happen when they were taking that photo on screen. So I, I don't know about, like, the, the darker blue outfit, but the other two we at least saw him wearing. Uh, we can all feel sorry for the editor and the continuity person that, that got all these shots and said, all right, none of these match. Is anyone going to notice? Well, probably not. It's going to be on for three seconds. And here we are 30 I years think... later. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's because they faced the camera with it. It's not even like hidden. It's not like I was like going frame by frame like, aha. No, it's in your face. Yeah, it's. I think maybe in the close-up, they just, they made a decision that that was the more affecting photo. Yeah. Being in the hospital gown, that or, like, they were like, wait, in the beginning of the episode, when we took the photos, it was in the hospital gown, so we need to have that, maybe. Right. And, I mean, insert shots are insert shots. Uh, sometimes they don't match. Uh, I can name three instances where there's one radio in the background and then they do an insert shot of somebody tuning a completely different radio and then going back <laughs> to the to the wide shot with a different radio. So I, I've seen it in the show and um, maybe in this, it's like you said, Allison, maybe the hospital gown picture was the most effective one to get the emotional impact across. And that's why they used it mm. because that's what most people on TV, especially watching on little cathode ray tubes would be registering. Mm -hmm. I imagine most people didn't notice that, but uh, I thought it was kind of a little more glaring than, than the usual error. In the end, whichever photo they used, um, it didn't work because Kevin gets off. So, I mean, that, that speaks to it, but I'm sort of skipping. I mean, the, the swoon and, and all that sets the stage for what I thought was the best part of the episode. And uh, it's where I was going with all the mirror stuff too. It's just that um, why I felt like I was so much with Katie in this episode and the fact that they bring her in at the end to tell the story instead of having Scott trying to give the performance of his lifetime to convincingly play a rape victim. Yeah. You get the rape victim up there. 
just just telling what happened. And I liked it not only for that, but I loved it for the nerd in me saying, oh, this is a new thing that they're able to do with the imaging chamber. You know, I yeah. thought exactly <laughs> that when that was happening. I'm like, I bet Chris loves it because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I bet he's just like, oh, man, more project stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, you know me so well. <laughs> but no, I mean, it was really good. I mean, I, I thought that was such a genius shot. Um, when she goes up to testify and she's holding Al's hand and um, it starts off with her just answering and then Sam repeating and the shot tightens uh, in on her and eventually Sam just fades out. Eventually the story just becomes not about Sam. It is Katie's story. Then after dinner, he asked me to go for a drive. Dinner, he asked me to go for a drive. And I told him that I, I had to work the next day. I'd rather go straight home. I'd rather go straight home. Did he take you straight home as you requested? No. No. Took me to Fort Cronkite Fort instead. Cronkite instead. And what happened there? He parked the car and started to kiss me. Did you kiss him back? At first. But then he started to get carried away, and I stopped. Carried away? He tried to put his hand up my dress. Go on. I told him I wasn't like that, that I was a nice girl. What did he say? He said the only difference between nice girls and bad girls is that bad girls help you. Then he started kissing and groping me again. And I started to cry. How did he respond to your tears? He slapped me. And I think I screamed because then he hit me and pinned my arms behind me. Did he slap you or hit you? You said both. He slapped me first and then hit me with his fist. How many times did he hit you with his fist? Three or four times. Did he knock you unconscious? I was kind of fuzzy for a while, but I don't think I lost consciousness. And then what happened? Then, then he raped me. And then after she, she has this just gut-wrenching uh, testimony about what happened to her, smash cut to Kevin having the charges dismissed and celebrating that he got off. It's just, oh, it's infuriating. Yeah, and effectively infuriating. And another thing that took me out of the episode a little bit because we didn't see any kind of cross-examination of Katie. And I guess it really wasn't warranted because the entire episode leading up to this was a cross, a tacit cross-examination of Katie yeah, anyway. We, we know exactly how it went yeah. No, I think that was the, the perfect cutaway to that, yeah. you know, after yeah. immediately she's she's just so raw and telling the, this deeply traumatic thing that happened to her and then immediately cut to just there is no justice yeah and um the fact that you know they're all at sea like like what happens now like do we leave town and it was a nice moment i think when the district attorney said to her you just move on because this is what happened to me and you think maybe she would have shared that with her more in the beginning, especially as she took the case and became on her side. 
just to give her some confidence in the fact that you're not alone. I mean, it was an effective reveal and it worked for the show. It worked dramatically. But I found it odd timing on her part to to sort of share that information at that point. No, I don't know. I think like that would just be a difficult thing for her to share and especially in a, a professional environment, even though it's something that obviously means something very personal to her. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Because she says, you know, every case that she loses makes it happen all over again for her. So I think that it was a very difficult thing for her to be able to talk about. You know, one thing, too, like, I find it... It's such a big part of the episode that Sam says he can't testify because he wasn't there. And he doesn't know what happened. Katie knows what happened. Um, and if he was there to get Kevin charged with rape like they thought he was, then why wouldn't he leap into someone else and then encourage Katie to testify? Like, this whole work around it, like, it doesn't really make sense with how leaps work. True. And I, I took that, though, as just, like, Sam being Sam. Honest to a fault and not wanting to say something that wasn't true. It, it almost reminded me of the end of Machiko when he's walking down the aisle and he's saying, I'm going to marry this person, you know, so God, fate, time, whatever, if you're, you don't have a problem with this or you do, leave me now. But it, it, it shows, I think that's more um, illustrative of Sam's character to not want to spread a falsehood. Oh, sure. Like he is the only people that would know that it was him are him and Al and Katie, if she remembered anything about it. So really, it's just about like, it doesn't seem moral to him. Like, I mean, he wants to be truthful, but he's repeating her verbatim. So, I mean, like, as far as how the leap works, if that was what he was there to do, it wouldn't really make a lot of sense that he was just repeating what she was saying. I see what you're saying, because once it went to trial, that's what she would have said anyway. Yeah, he wasn't doing anything differently than, than her, except maybe, I, I guess, encouraging a, a trial to take place. But I, I'm not sure if they established if there actually was a trial in the, the original timeline. No, they she left town or something, or the family moved or something mm -hmm. like that, and, and that well, was that the was end of it. that was after they lost, though, right? No, but I think I think in, in the beginning, too, they said it didn't go to trial. Uh, anyway, oh, that's, that's what I recall. So that's why there was that whole middle part where they're in the office and the, the, the DA is like, okay, I'll take the case. And he's standing there like in the leap pose, like mm. just waiting to go. And they're like, why haven't I gone? It's going to trial, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they sort of flubbed that at the end with the ass kicking. But when it came to the testimony part, I was thinking back to the project and we had Al saying that Katie was catatonic and scared out of her mind, not to mention, you know, injured and afraid. Um, you had to go from that to finding the technology to get her to, to be able to um, speak to Sam and also convince her, like explain to her where she is, what's going on. Uh, this is how we need to fix the situation and get her cognizant and on board enough to do this. I mean, could you imagine if you're um, traumatized 
and in a little blue room in the future, and then someone says to you, oh, by the way, there's a time traveler in your body testifying at your rape trial, and we need you to testify, but he can't hear you normally, so you have to come in this other little room with me and touch me, and then tell your story, and he can tell, and it's just, it's so convoluted if you're not in the episode, and having only 12 hours to explain it to someone that is borderline catatonic, I can't imagine Al's night was very easy or Verbena's yeah, for that sure. Like, right, look, we, they hold up her little future dress and they're like, you're going to want to wear this. I don't think you want to wear this Fermi suit for this thing. It's just going to be a little silly. Yeah, no Fermi suit, but we had the, the dress with, with the weird teeth on the neck. <laughs> yeah, it's a future dress. Uh, <laughs> they were like, this would look a little silly if she's just walking around in a white unitard. So <laughs> it did sort of seem clinical and hospital like almost. Future hospital gown, maybe. <laughs> also, I, I, maybe not appropriate to have your rape victim show up in a skin tight white bodysuit <laughs> yeah, yeah, during her that. trial. So. Yeah, yeah. I think the scene would have uh, come off a little less effective if it was like that. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, we never thought about this contingency when we were designing the Fermi suit, did we? <laughs> we just wanted to see Scott's butt. <laughs> That's what this episode needed more of. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, um, the ending of this episode, um, you know, after, after what happens with the trial, it... It's so effective because it's so true, but you don't want it to be true that, like, he just gets off and he's celebrating. And, like, you know, like, it, it, th this didn't work. After everything, this guy still gets off. And then when he shows up at the gazebo at the end to attack Sam again, it's so satisfying to see him just beat the crap out of this guy. Yes. Yeah. That catharsis. And... I would love to get Beverly Bridges, who wrote this episode, on Mike uh, to talk to her about not only this episode, but a lot of her other episodes, but this one especially. I mean, writing this ending in had to be a very deliberate act because you want to show the entire horror that a rape victim will go through from post-assault to the indignity of not getting the justice that you so deserve. So then you have this this coda to the episode of, oh yeah, fuck you, and he just Beats the shit out of this guy. I think I know why I'm here, Al. So things got a little out of control, huh? So you slapped him. But that wasn't enough. So you had to hit him. And then you hit her again. You son of a bitch. And I think that that is what got me, 19-year-old me, off my ass and over to the computer <laughs> lab to start writing because it, I was so pumped and it was just so effective. And I don't know if that undercuts any of the messages for the episode, like, or is it violence begets violence or, or what? But who cares? Because it was just the perfect ending. In my opinion. Well, at, at least it inspired you to go to the computer lab and not to go and learn martial arts or something like that. No, I, I tried that in my 20s and it was just, I was as good at martial arts as I am every other athletic endeavor, which is to say not very. <laughs> so. so you can't do a flying noodle kick. <laughs> I mean, I can try. Well, I mean, if he, if he hadn't beat up that guy, I mean, like, would it just be a failed leap? Just yeah. because what, else, what did he leap in for if that didn't happen? 
this is weird because uh, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. Maybe it was a fait accompli that the trial was going to go in Kevin's favor. But in this way, the, this ending exposed Kevin for trying to do it again for, for the monster that he actually is and maybe stopped him from hurting more people in the future. That's the way I sort of see it. This is a special circumstance that arose and was resolved only because Sam was present. I don't know if Katie would have had the power on her own to beat the shit out of Kevin. I'm not saying that she wouldn't, but you know for sure that Sam can. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is in a flower sweater and a skirt. His face is all <laughs> bloody and messed up, and he has taken no prisoners. He's going to beat the crap out of this guy. So good. So satisfying, you know? Yeah, it was. It's just you want to see it, you know? And it, it, I think doing it this way, too, it made it seem like it it wasn't just an easy ending. The fact that he didn't get off, but you still got some sort of justice there. Mm. Right. And it was very cathartic. So, mm -hmm. and probably very cathartic for a lot of victims that were watching this and maybe going through it. And I, I don't know, I can't really speak to that, but I can only imagine that um, there was a segment of the audience that was just like, thank God, finally. Yeah. It's, uh, it's infuriating. And this is something that's personal to me. Um, the amount of powerful men who are not held to any sort of accountability. Mm. And <laughs> it's, it sucks. It sucks. Like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share a little bit of a, of a personal story here. So uh, there's a, a website that I used to work for, uh, doing video uh, stuff that I do now. So it's an entertainment website. And one of the guys on the site, very popular, made a rape joke on Twitter about uh, one of our coworkers, and he was trying to just be jokey and, and funny, but it really wasn't that funny. And so I brought this up on Twitter that this was really messed up, and he had just a, a complete breakdown. And after that, he ended up quitting the site because he was just going crazy. And everyone blamed me for talking about this rape joke. You're kidding. This this surprises no, you? No, it still comes up today. I, I kid you not. This happened in 2012, and I am still being blamed for this. Mind you, this guy, he went publicly to say that I was not involved with this, but people were so protective of him that they still blame me to saying that I got him fired. And it got to the point where... There were rape and death threats sent to my house. And I was still living at home at the time, so it was so embarrassing to have to tell my family why this was happening. These, I got like, I want to say three letters. They were all identical. They had pictures of people being murdered. Jesus. And Christ. they said, we're going to find you and we're going to make sure that you find out how funny rape is. And that first night, like, I slept with the lights on. I was terrified. And the fact that it still comes up now in this small portion of the internet, the fact that it was about a rape joke, I can't imagine how someone feels 
coming forward about an actual assault. It's just, it's maddening. And I, I don't know how to transition from that, but that, that's why it hits so close to home. All of these questions in this episode, I heard about that. You're just trying to ruin his life. Why would you do this? Why would you rock the boat? Why would you get uh, police involved? I had to call the police about this and say I got in a Twitter fight and now people are threatening me and my family. Like, it's, uh, it's horrible. That's unreal. I guess, you know, it shows that maybe we need more episodes of TV like this to, to discuss these issues. And to bring them out there. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you for, for listening. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's a tough episode. It really is. But it's because it's so well done. Because, like, it's, it's just so true. And I hope that sometime a, as a society we can move forward and and go beyond something like this. Because I'm not sure how much farther away we are from this episode. And, and I don't think it's very far. And I think those are some perfect closing words. So thank you, Allison, for sharing. Thank you guys so much for a really good discussion. So we're going to go to a break. And when we come back, we have some exciting news to tell you about some new Patreon supporters. You guys ready to hear about that? Heck yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, that's great news. So we'll see you on the other side. What if you were wearing something sexy? What if you were drinking? What if you made the first move? No matter what, sexual assault is never your fault. Support is available 24-7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call 1-800-656-HOPE or visit RAIN.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. This is Christina Ricci with RAIN, reminding you it's never your fault. This is Carolyn Seymour, and you're listening to the Quantum Loop Podcast. Hey everyone, we're back, and as promised, I wanted to tell you guys not only about some new Patreon supporters that we want to celebrate here on the podcast with all of our listeners, but um, some changes I made to the Patreon page recently. So let's start where it's important. Uh, let's thank Daria Sigma. You remember Daria from Down Under? Hey, ah. Daria was generous enough to join us at the five dollar leaper level, and uh, thank you, Daria, so much. That means that she gets. Um, access to all of the Patreon bonus content once we start producing it. And uh, it's going to be more on that in a little bit. Um, I've also, I went through last week and I changed um, some of the tiers that we have on Patreon. And I know that we usually run a promo that says for a little as a dollar a month, you can support us. And that's that's true. You can donate any amount that you want. But I decided to put a new $2 level that I'm calling the observer level, and that gives you a shout out on the show. So I want to give a shout out to our new $2 supporter, the observer, Andrew Carden. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you. Daria, Andrew. Yay. Hey. Hey. Um, Thank you. It, it's funny because Andrew actually set up um, sort of false expectations for me. The second I put the notice on the Facebook page that, that we had rejiggered the Patreon site, I think within 15 minutes, Andrew became a supporter. And I was like, yes, imagine where we're going to be an hour from now. And, <laughs> and I'm still going, well, 
good. So now that you guys hear about this, I hope you go and check it out because there are um, a couple of new tiers that I put in. Actually, the same tiers. I've just sort of reworked them a little bit and I'll tell you what's involved. At the $2 level, um, that's the observer level, we'll give you a shout out on the show. Um, the $5 is still the leaper level. And with that, you'll get the shout out like Daria just did. And you'll also get access to anything that we produce exclusively for Patreon. So um, that is if you want to start listening to our extraneous feeds um, once we start building them up. Um, at the $10 level, I made that. That used to be something like Leaper of La Mancha where we would dedicate a segment of the show to you. But we don't do segments anymore. So I decided to steal an idea from my friend Sean Ray and fellow podcaster. Um, he started a show called The Prime Direction where he interviews Star Trek fans about their Star Trek fandom. And I find it a fascinating show. I've been on it, but I listen to it regularly. And um, it was just relaunched under Scott Matson, who's also a huge Quantum Leap fan. And I figured, well, why not try to do that for the Leapers out there? So if you become a $10 Oh Boy supporter on the Patreon page, I will conduct a Patreon-exclusive interview with you about your Quantum Leap fandom. I don't know if that appeals to anyone. It just seemed like a good idea to me at the time. So I would enjoy doing that. So if you want to support us at the $10 level, I'll be happy to talk to you one-on-one -on -one about your Quantum Leap fandom and share it with our fans on the Patreon feed. And of course, we still have the $20 producer level in which um, you'll get all of that, including the interview, the shout out, and the access to the exclusive content. Um, you'll also get a producer credit at the end of the show. And uh, we already have one now, Morgan Felden, who is uh, a regular producer supporter. So thank you, Morgan, everybody. If you can, please support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Podcast, And you can support at any level. And we just want to engage more with the fans. So please um, reach out if you can support us. Great. If not, just tell friends about the podcast. Let them know and uh, help us grow the listener base. Give us uh, reviews on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever they call it these days or whatever podcatcher of your choice. Um, reviews actually help people find us too because when they search for Quantum Leap, if we have a bunch of good reviews, we're going to be first in the search results. So uh, please uh, tell a friend. Tell Leapers, and uh, let's get some more people on board with the podcast. So thank you again to the new Patreon supporters. And not only did we get um, new support this month, we got we got some feedback since the last show. And uh, I'm not surprised because that last show was, was a great show, wasn't it, guys? All about the lost ending to Mirror Image. So did you guys get any feedback personally about that? Because I know that we got a few things on the Facebook page that I want to share. How's the reaction in your experience? Uh, no one ever talks to me, so uh, uh, Alice across the pond, Matt. I mean, I, I got an email yeah. about the lost ending, but I don't think it was about our special in particular. Though, though they said they've been listening to the Quantum Leap podcast, but I think it was just um, because of the initial negatives. But yeah, I got like a, an email. Yeah, share it, please. What? What? Who's it from? Okay, <laughs> it's a. All right. So this is the first time like I've been sent like an email just like to to me. It wasn't sent through the podcast thing. <laughs> um. I'm going to have to bring up... Okay, they wrote kind of a silly thing. <laughs> uh, so so this is from uh, Dan Oster. And, uh, okay, so here's what he wrote. He says, hi, Allison. But I assume he's saying hi to all of us. I, I asked him if he wanted me to read this, and he said, yeah. So, okay. You don't know me, but I've been revisiting Quantum Leap over the last couple of months while also listening to the Quantum Leap podcast. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> 
My reason for all this free time is unfortunately because I've been battling a painful chronic health condition. I'm making progress, and this has helped me distract myself during some long, difficult stretches. Anyway, fun stuff out of the way, I wanted to say thanks, and I also wanted to commend you on laying the groundwork that ultimately helps uncover the lost Quantum Leap ending. That's huge. But here's the thing. I bet you didn't know that what was also recently discovered are the lost original lyrics to the Quantum Leap theme song. It's true. (laughs) Apparently, Donald Belisario fought hard with the network over whether to include them instead of a standard voiceover. Ultimately, cooler heads prevailed. And while the original recordings of Scott Bakula belting them out are yet to be found, as well as the Dean Stockwell (laughs) rap version, the lyrics themselves have finally turned up, and honestly, I think they are legit. It's just too convincing. Near as I can tell, they seem to be set to the original theme from seasons one to four, not the dumb, souped-up version that I still kind (laughs) of like. All right, You wrote out the lyrics. Should, should I sing them? Are you, are you going to oh. sing? Or I have to. I have to bring up the actual song in my head, my earbuds, though, because I will not remember the tune enough. To- okay, new, new Patreon show, Quantum Karaoke, coming soon yeah. to a feed near you. It's still going to be off. I know it will, but let's see. <laughs> I cannot wait for this. Okay, so six second musical intro. He's established this <laughs> for these real lyrics. All right, I'm bringing the song up. Sam Beckett sleeping backwards through time from the south all the way to Hanoi, taking over bodies like they were his. Then he looks in the mirror and says, Oh boy, masons and neurons fly through the air, and new guest stars appear each week. See a straight white guy fix the past, but it's cool because he's an ally, having himself a quantum lead. His friend is Al Calavici, who only Sam sees and hears. A hologram from the future who likes to spy on women in their braziers. Three second musical break. Now he's a black guy, now Dracula. Now he's Elvis, just in time for sweeps. Got time, fate, or whatever. Is sending Sam to clean your shit up. That's how it goes on Quantum Leap. That's amazing. Bravo. I know that was horribly out of tune. Beautifully performed. Allison, do you know when you have a a picture of how something's going to go in your mind and it goes a million times better than you ever imagined? (laughs) That's this right now. (laughs) Once you send it to the music, it'll sound better. (laughs) No, I'm not putting the music under that. That would ruin it. Oh, (laughs) shit. Okay, there there was an ending to this. (laughs) All right. Wow, what a find, huh? <laughs> it's fascinating to see how much of the series was planned out from the beginning, and that Belisario was forward-thinking enough to use terms like ally in a social context. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. 
<laughs> oh, Dan, can, do, can we can we release those lyrics on our Facebook page and ask uh, the musically inclined out there to produce their own version? Oh yeah, the one that doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yours will be always be the standard, Allison. So I, uh, I think it'd be interesting to see other people's interpretations, and it's really that's fun and funny. So thank you, Dan. I'm glad that you sent that to Allison. Uh, yeah, we're definitely going to share that on the Facebook page, and uh, yeah, if if you guys are creative enough and creative minded enough to take your own stabs at it maybe we'll play a couple on the show <laughs> as uh, as time goes on so yeah you guys got to do your own uh, renditions oh. <laughs> yeah maybe even come up with your own secret lyrics maybe the alternate discovered lyrics right yeah have you guys ever heard like the uh the version of the star trek theme that has lyrics <laughs> I think I've heard it, but I know that Nichelle Nichols did a produced version yes. on one of her albums. Oh, yeah. That's not surprising. That's that There's been recorded ones. And by all accounts, they're awful, right? <laughs> Aren't they awful? Yeah. I think Gene Roddenberry... Well, the deal was he wrote the lyrics so he could, like, get some money from the theme. Like, it's kind of a mean reason to do it. But uh, it was reminding me of that. Like, the secret <laughs> hidden lyrics of the Quantum Leap theme song. Thank you very much again, Dan Oster. I don't know what prompted you to write those lyrics, but we're really happy that you did. And let's see what comes of it. So, all right. So let's get on to some of the Facebook comments that we got about the Mirror Image special. Um, the first one, do you guys mind if I read it? Go for it. All right. It's from Jonathan Melville, who left uh, a comment to the post that we made about the special on the Facebook. And uh, he just wrote, great episode. Thanks for putting the hours in. Fascinating to hear about the old QL conventions. Any chance of another standalone episode devoted to these, including some attendees slash organizers? And Jonathan, that's an interesting idea. Um, I don't know that that, you know, we, we obviously would not have been able to do that show without Roger. But Roger's experience in the early convention days and the early fandom days are what really made that story fascinating to me. It gave that scene which let's let's face it it's what a minute long and it's not really any different than we've read in the script it's great to see but putting it in its historical context to me is what made it show worthy so to speak and finding roger was was a, a real get as far as i'm concerned so i think it would be interesting to hear more about other fan events in the early days and talk to some of the attendees and the organizers i i unfortunately only know like two organizers or maybe three if you count um, Brian Green from Al's Place, who did the Leap Back convention. But that might be a, a nice little sub-series in itself. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking as a, a a Brit who was quite young when all this was going on, um, I'd find it fascinating. I, I know someone else who is, is British and around about my age and yet is or was uh, uh, quite heavily into Quantum Leap fandom at the time, so I can't use that as an excuse, but um, it, it would certainly be interesting to talk to her and anyone else of our listeners that uh, that, that have those early memories. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I'd love to hear more of this stuff. I thought that was one of the best parts of talking to Roger, was just hearing about uh, how it used to be when this fandom was just starting or when it was in its heyday. Yeah, and it's a really interesting vein to mine, in my opinion, because that's where some of these lost gems really resurface. I mean, it's just sort of in, in that heady heyday, who knows what was floating around where, and all of a sudden we have this ending that we thought was never produced. Yeah, thank you, old school Quantum Leap fans, for saving all this <laughs> stuff. Thank you, Roger, for, in a roundabout way, getting this uh, this ending to us, you know? It was great. 
And it wouldn't happen unless people were passing tapes around and sharing them and, and saving these things. So think what other nuggets might be out there. So yeah, I mean, maybe we'll explore that in the future. I guess it would take some production work and some some time on our parts just to research to see if there's there's good stuff to be had. But uh, I think it'd be interesting nonetheless. And maybe that's the kind of thing I could talk to you about with your fandom at the $10 old boy level on <laughs> patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. Patreon.com. It started to think it was the accent coming back in. <laughs> My New York is coming in. Hey, yo, throw us 10 bucks. <laughs> hey, yo, yeah, it's just $10. What What are you talking about? $10. <laughs> Give me some protection. <laughs> That's not a lot of protection. It's only $10. And you understand, you know, things break, you know, and sometimes you need... <laughs> It'd be a shame if an accident happens, if you didn't slip us 10 buckaroonies. <laughs> I feel like I'm so at home as a Quantum Leap villain. Oh my god, I was watching the Leap of Faith the other day, and then like just how aggressively Italian the characters are in that. I was thinking about you just angrily watching it. What is this crap? This is garbage. This is utter nonsense. Do you often watch episodes of Quantum Leap and just wonder what Chris would be doing if he was there? That's the second <laughs> yeah, that's time. the second time you've said that today. I don't know because you because you're very opinionated about stuff. You know? As my wife likes to say, I have many a thing to say on many a topic. So I think that's one of one of my endearing qualities. Thank you very much. Do you watch the <laughs> the really really bad ones and think? Hmm, I I wonder if Matt would be sat here enjoying this. <laughs> I have uh, watched the ones with the the English accents, thinking like, "Hmm, how embarrassing was this?" Yeah, Blood Moon, huh? Hmm. Um, well, anyway, if if you guys out there have stories about the early days of Quantum Leap and you want to give us some leads of people we might talk to, uh, it's an idea that I'm willing to entertain. And um, look, eventually we're going to run out of episodes to talk about, but I want the podcast to go on. So this might be an interesting way to keep it going in uh, in in one form or another. Yeah. It'd be cool to talk to some uh, some some of the authors of the old mm. fanzines too, like back when fan fiction was just distributed through yeah. like printing it out. Like I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, we have. Oh, oh my god, so many geeky stones to unturn. Yeah. So, well, that's a good idea. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for uh, planting the seed for that, and uh, we'll definitely, I think, uh, try to see what we can figure out. And Allison, do you want to field this next question? It's from Andrew Schumacher. Sure. I didn't see this one before. I'm glad we got this all, co all collected here. So Andrew Schumacher says, uh, excellent episode all. Allison is Phelan a QL fan? He is. Um, yeah, that's how I got into Quantum Leap was through Phelan. Because uh, I think I, I, I'm sure I talked about it on the podcast before. But like, uh, you know, I'd heard of Quantum Leap, but never seen it uh, for a very, very long time. And uh, all I really knew about it was it was a show that had a very science fiction-y name. And I was like, this just sounds boring. <laughs> so I never really went that far into it. Um, but Phelan really loves uh, time travel stories. He loves Back to the Future. It's one of his favorite movies. So, um, so yeah, he, he'd watched Quantum Leap a lot um, when he was younger. So he uh, suggested we watch it together. And that's how I got started. So. Oh, star-crossed Quantum Leap fandom. Oh, Thank you, Phelan. We owe you. 
<laughs> Thank you, Valen. Here, here, the student has surpassed the master, and <laughs> now she's she's the bossy pants authority on all things quantum leap. <laughs> oh yeah, I was telling. I'm like, I read the script today, and then this happened. There was this little difference <laughs> here, and then this happened here, and then like, remember when this happened? And then, <laughs> uh, all right, what was this episode? Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, you took that ball, you ran with it, and I'm happy you did, because <laughs> I'm not the biggest nerd in the room anymore, so thank you. <laughs> well, I think uh, Matt should read this last one. We got we took the last two. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, Rich Brewer says, if a show ever needed a new series, it was this one. Quantum Leap, The Quest for Sam. The Quest? Oh, okay. That would be the, the, the spin-off sequel series? I guess so. Using using the Albeth... Uh, yeah. Epilogue as a jumping off point. Oh, it perfectly leads into it. Or is it like, oh, like the quest for peace, Superman 4? <laughs> mm. It could never be as good as that. <laughs> if you haven't, uh, check out Allison's Movie Nights channel. <laughs> He's got to fight Bizarro Sam. <laughs> <laughs> On YouTube. I'm doing a Movie Nights plug, Allison. Don't oh, talk sorry, over I them. talked yeah. over the plug. <laughs> Everyone watch my show, Movie Nights. I did a video on Superman 4. It's it's pretty funny. Thank you. I mean, in a good way, unlike Superman 4. <laughs> Superman 4 is funny in a good way, though. I'd rather watch it than 3. Oh, Ooh. Oh. I don't know. Oh, wow. Ooh, is this? <laughs> is that a hot take? For a topic for another day. Oh, I see. I see we got a Superman 3 apologist here, huh? <laughs> Maybe two of them. I don't know. We prefer to call ourselves fans. <laughs> Apologists. Because you tell me any scene that's cooler than Clark, like, flinging peanuts into, like, gin bottles and whiskey bottles and breaking yeah. Okay, okay. The, that, that was pretty the, awesome. The Superman versus Clark fight was the best part of that movie. That was good. But the rest of it, crap. <gasps> Sorry. Ah, Richard Pryor, he just rolled over in his grave. Oh, do you think Richard Pryor was like, yeah, Superman 3, shining part of my career? Yeah, I think that he thought it was the pinnacle. That and uh, moving. Another bad one. Harlem Nights. <laughs> Haven't seen it, can't judge. So, Chris, how can people get in touch with us? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Matt, because that was going nowhere. Th thank you, Rich and Andrew. I don't know if I said thanks to either of them. Thank you. Oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> And yeah, I wanted to read Rich's Facebook post on the show because I've been sort of teasing Allison and Matt with an idea that I've been having for, um, a, again, possible bonus content for the Patreon feed that could involve a post-mirror image setting in um, sort of an RPG podcast or feed exploring what might have happened uh, when Sam went rogue. So that's that's really all I want to say for now. I've been getting some concepts together and, and sort of doing some research on – because I'm a nerd for um, role-playing game podcasts. I listen to Adventure Zone like on, on speed and um, Friends at the Table and Nerd Poker. And Oh, man. McElroy Brothers are great. Yeah, right. So, I mean, the nerd in me wants to um, do a, a role-playing podcast in the worst way. But I've always been the kind of player that's like, okay, what, what dice do I roll? I'm a wizard, right? Okay, I'm going to do this then. So <laughs> if I want to bring that um, to more of a uh, podcast form, I'm going to have to educate myself on how to actually be a game master and, and to do all that. And um, Allison and Matt are kind enough to indulge me in at least hearing out the idea. So we'll probably be exploring that on a future episode. I'll give you more details as they, you know, 
they gel in my head. So uh, hopefully something to look forward to. Anyway, I'm looking forward to exploring the idea. Yeah, it sounds fun. I've never played a role playing game, but I, I like the idea of it. It's just um, I'm I'm just very uh, distractible, so it's hard to learn a lot of rules. But uh, <laughs> if it was a, a quantum leap role play, yeah. well, I'm trying to find the least rules heavy version of a gaming system that I can. So that's because uh, I don't want to get caught up in rules either because I don't really have a head for that kind of stuff. But uh, anyway, uh, that's... Hey, that's wait, Matt, uh, who would you play as in the Quantum Leap role play? Gushy? <laughs> <laughs> um, <I>, Beth. <laughs> Beth, yeah. Gushy or Beth? Yeah, okay. I think so. How about you, Allison? Oh, man. Uh, well, it'll be an obvious answer. I'll go for Al. Yeah, yeah. play Al. <laughs> Well, I'm going to give you guys some bad news. We're not playing any canon characters. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not saying we're not. I mean, we could if you want to, but uh, again, all to be explored. So you're going to play Donna now. (sighs) You blew my surprise. Spoilers (laughs) much? Thank you. Damn it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see if it comes together. Um, Anyway, it'll be an interesting discussion. And we'll decide if we move forward. But that's that's for another show. Um, uh, let's get back to this show and uh, thank everybody for the feedback. And if you would like to be like Jonathan or Andrew or Rich or the guy who wrote the Nifty theme song, what's his name again? Dan. Dan. He's not on my notes here. Allison has that. That's that's an Allison Pregler exclusive. Dan, you're a lucky man. I get a save and uh, frame this, uh, this email. <laughs> well, if you want to be like any of those people, there are many ways that you can reach us here at the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quantumleappod. And you can be like Andrew Cardin and Daria Sigma, our new Patreon supporters, and hit us up on Patreon at patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. And just remember, we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast. So I think that's about done it for Raped. Um, Matt, can you tell us what's coming next? Well, after a dark episode, I think it might be time for a bit of levity, possibly involving a monkey, may- <laughs> maybe a diaper. <laughs> I, I think we're going to be watching the wrong stuff. Diaper monkey, diaper monkey, diaper monkey. <laughs> I am pumped for this. I know you are. I can't wait. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. So, wow. I mean, but to go from raped to, to the... Wow. <laughs> to diaper oh, monkey. God. What a terrible... This is sandwiched between the worst episodes they could have put in. <laughs> Thank you, Quantum Leap. Thank you. Thank you. You just keep giving. <laughs> Well, I I really, I can't wait to talk about Diaper Monkey. So uh, (laughs) until that time, guys, I've been Christopher D. Philippus. I've been Allison Diaper Monkey (laughs) Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you next time, everyone. Take care.
Oh man, I could not be more pumped for Diaper Monkey. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The Quantum Leap Podcast is edited by Albie, Christopher DeFilippis, and Allison Pregler. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap Podcast is Albert Burge. Juan Miro, Christopher DeFilippis, and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Morgan Felden is the producer. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap Podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap Podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit Baronspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a Baron Space production. What have I got? Ooh, disk space remains for 2 hours and 45. I've been moving some files around. I have got a lot less disk space than I should do, but I'm sure we'll be done in three hours. Oh, we have to be. I have a 17th birthday party to go to. Aw. Oh, congratulations on turning 17. Thank you so much. You guys are so sweet. You don't look a day over 20. (laughs) I had some trepidations, but uh, uh, as usual... uh, the, the three musketeers come through, so. Uh, hey. with <laughs> What? A? It's better than three stooges. A, like Fonzie A. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, I might cut that whole thing. Um, we also did hear more about um, about the MI special, the mirror image special, as I, as I spoke earlier on uh, Facebook. God almighty, I suck. God, I'm so bad. All right. <laughs> just, just reminding me of like chris farley on the chris farley show you, know? <laughs> you remember that oh stupid question i just get to a point where i can't even say a fucking sentence it's like it's just a transition you idiot just make it simple and yeah. i'm sitting here talking in circles for 20 minutes and you're all putting up with it so graciously anyway <laughs>